Hey everybody, welcome to Valley Church. I am so glad you're joining us. If you're at the Traditions venue, you should just scream. Just be like, yeah, we're here at Traditions. Those of you at Maple Knoll, you probably got coffee and donuts and breakfast. I'm so glad that you're here. And those of you watching at home, thank you for clicking in. I am glad that you got up, whether you're in your pajamas or you're driving in your car listening. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being with us. This is a great weekend at Valley Church and I'm glad uh, we're all in this together. I don't know if you know this about me, but while I was going to community college, one summer I worked at an amusement park. It was called Cedar Point, the amazement park. And it really was an amazing experience. And I was part of the, uh, the games crew. Like I just worked all of the games, different days or different weeks. Everybody was assigned to a different location. And uh, I was always in the back at one of the games in the back. And we just had such a good time. And one of my favorite games that, that I uh, ran, one of the favorite games that I was at almost all the time was called the dime pitch. And the dime pitch was this game where you just threw dimes. You, you literally just threw dimes. And, and the game is super simple. If you get your dime inside the circle and there's a very limited rim around the circle, that's a winner. And if your dime is touching the line at all, you are a loser. And I'm telling you, people just didn't get it. It must somehow have been way too complicated because people would come up to me every single day and they would say, hey, how do you play this game? And I would just say, well, you just, you just toss a dime. And uh, if it's in the circle, it's a winner. If it's not in the circle, it's not a winner. And then they would always ask this, how much does this game cost? Every time, I'm just like, it just costs a dime. I'm not tricking you. It's not, it's not a trick. And uh, one day a guy came up to me and he says, how much does the game cost? I said, it's a dime. And he said, he said can I buy dimes? I said, absolutely. So he pulled out two dollar bills and he slapped it down on the table and I just went boom, 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 boom. And I gave him 20 dimes and he just goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, what? He said, you just gave me 20 dimes. And I said, yeah. I said, 20 dimes equals two dollars. He goes, oh, I thought I only got one dime for a dollar. I'm just like, seriously, these are the people who are coming to my game to work with me. Uh, I, I would have people all the time. They'd be like, hey, hey, I won. I won. And I would have to look and I would go, no, you didn't. You clearly didn't win. Like the rules are super simple, but the game is incredibly hard. One time, just in the middle of the summer, I mean, I had been doing this for so many weeks. And uh, one day I just snapped. These two girls came up to my game and they said, how much does this cost? And I'm just like, a dime. And then they asked me the second question that just drives you a little nuts. How do you play? And that's the moment when I broke. I said, well, are you left-handed or right-handed? They said, we're right-handed. And I said, well, if you're right-handed, you're gonna wanna hop on your right foot. And if you're left-handed, you're gonna wanna hop on your left foot. And you're just gonna wanna throw dimes. And these girls said, we're in. They both slap a dollar down. I give them each 10 dimes. And these girls, they're just taking their dimes and they're throwing the dimes. And I'm laughing because this was just funny to watch. And out of nowhere, these two college-aged, very muscular young men walked up and they looked at me. And they said, what is going on? And I said, well, they're playing the dime pitch. And, and, and he said, why are they hopping? I said, well, I, I told them to hop. And I was super nervous. And this guy, he pulled his fist up 
And when he opened his fist, he had a bunch of dimes. And he was like, okay. And he just started hopping and throwing dimes. And these girls are laughing and these guys are laughing. And the guy actually looked at me and he said, they've never made me hot before. This is so much easier. And I'm just laughing like crazy. My manager sees what's happening. She sees these four people hopping on one foot. She comes over to me. She says, Brandon, what's going on? I said, I made them hop to play the game. And she went, never do that again or you will get fired. I was just like, I was done. I was done through the summer and I had snapped. I just came in contact with so many people and this game was so hard. It was actually kind of discouraging telling person after person after person, you lose, you're not winning, you're not ever going to win this game. We all want to win, right? I mean, we look at something uh, that is so cheap as the dime pitch and we're like, I'm going to try to win. Or we look at things with just gigantic prizes and we're like, I just want to, I just want to play so I can win. But winning doesn't have to look like that. Winning doesn't have to look like this, where, where somebody's winning big and cashing in and, and somebody always has to lose. In fact, with the body of Christ, we don't want to be like that at all. We want to help others win. Like we exist to help others win by joining together so that we can win and we can win in the direction God is sending us. We're starting a brand new series today called Encountering God. And we are still studying our way through the book of Acts, but we're just kind of stepping into a new phase. The apostle Paul is stepping into a new journey. It's a new season of ministry for him and for Barnabas. And, and God is using these men to grow the church and to move his mission forward. We're gonna be in Acts chapter 15, flip there or click there, and we're gonna jump into verse 36. And here's what scripture says. After some time had passed, you know, the first missionary journey's done, time had passed, and Paul's like, hey, Barnabas, let's go back and let's visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we've preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Paul right now, he immediately up front, right here to Barnabas in the text for all of us to see, he's defining the win. The first missionary journey's over. He says, we gotta get back to it. We've gotta get back in the game. And he defines the win right here. He says, we wanna, we wanna go back. We wanna go back to all the towns and we wanna visit. In other words, we wanna see all these new believers. We wanna see those who came to Christ. We wanna encourage them. And he says, we wanna see how they're doing. We wanna see the ministry that, that, that they're doing and to see how the ministry's going that Paul and Barnabas uh, had done. You know, there are no phones, there's no computers, there's no apps, there's not, they're, they're not gonna video chat. Like they have to, they have to actually go. This, this is gonna be a huge effort of, of encouragement and strengthening and aligning these new believers in these new churches. And, and Paul, he needed to pull together his team. He wanted the best team for this long journey in this incredibly important work. So he's saying, Barnabas, let's get going. Look at verse 37. Barnabas, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, who was, or John, who was called Mark. He, he wanted, he's like, this is, this is what I want. And Paul says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He insists that they should not take this man who had actually deserted them in Pamphylia. Uh, he, he, he deserted them. John Mark just abandoned them on this first missionary journey. He's like, I don't want to take him with me on this new work. You know, Paul didn't have another person in mind. He just said, not this person. And he doesn't even use his name. He says, I'm not going to take this man. And for a little bit of history, and you might want to write some of these verses down. In Acts chapter 12, verse 25, uh, they brought John Mark with them 
to, to Jerusalem. And then in Acts 13, 2, the Holy Spirit calls Paul and Barnabas out on this first missionary journey. In verse 13, 5, they, they took Mark. You know, Paul said, let's bring Mark. He's going to be an amazing assistant. And then in Acts 13, 13, Scripture says that Mark just left. And we don't really know why, but what we know is he had not gone on with them to the work. So in, in verse 37, when Barnabas brought up John, who is known as Mark, Paul, he was just opposed because he knew there wasn't something right here with John Mark. It just didn't sit well with Paul. And I, I don't know about you, there are so many people that I just wouldn't take on a trip with me. Uh, depending on what the trip is and how difficult it is and where we're going, I would just say, no, I don't wanna take that person or I can't go with you. And I know some of you are saying, but Brandon, what if they're gonna pay for the trip? And I'd just be like, where are we going? It depends where we're going, right? No, like, like here in the text, this is something that is so good. This is something that you and I need to see because we see Paul and Barnabas working through the conflict to get to the win. Paul defined the win. They have to go encourage these churches. They need to bring alignment. They need to go back and visit the, these towns. But, but he and Barnabas are, are you know, bumping heads a little bit. They have to work through the conflict to get to the win. Now, some of us hate conflict so much. We do almost anything to avoid conflict. And these two guys, they're just working through it. You know, they, they didn't quit. Paul and Barnabas, they didn't give up. They didn't sit out of the missionary journey. You know, when we do that, when, when we just decide to give up, the enemy loves that. The enemy absolutely loves it. And, and over time, unresolved conflict, it, it can grow into bitter feelings and it can mess with our hearts. We cannot avoid conflict over the right things. We, we've got to ease into it or push ourselves into it. And I don't want to make this sound easy. It's not. Conflict is incredibly hard. It hurts. And in this, this moment, it was very hard for these two men. They were friends and it was getting heated. They're having a difficult time understanding what the other person is thinking. And Paul, Paul clearly has a strong opinion. Barnabas, he just, he just wanted to extend some grace, right? I mean, side note, that's who Barnabas is. Barnabas is the son of encouragement. He is a grace giver. He's a grace extender. Uh, you know, John, who is called Mark uh, here in this passage, uh, I don't know if you know this, but but he's, he's the cousin of Barnabas. So, you know, maybe he's feeling a little bit of a pull towards family or maybe he's doing a favor for his aunt. I don't really know, but this is who Barnabas is. And as a side note, it was Barnabas who was vouching for Paul when other Christians were terrified of this once terrorist, right? And so Barnabas is coming along saying, let's extend some grace. I'm gonna vouch for Mark like I vouched for you. Don't you kind of want to know why Mark actually left the journey? I mean, I'm so curious. Why did he leave that first missionary journey? That might actually clear some things up in the text. We might be able to take sides, right? Scripture says that he deserted them. Like that's pretty powerful words. But the truth is you and I, we don't need to know the, the specifics of why Mark left. The, the specifics, they're not in the text. And the truth is we don't need to take sides. We shouldn't take sides. Here's something that we should take note of though. These two men, Paul and Barnabas, they had a difference of opinion. They did not have a difference in doctrine. This would have been an incredibly huge deal. If they would have parted ways over doctrine, 
we would need to maybe dig a little deeper and to see what's going on. But this is a, a conflict of, of opinion. You know, they didn't agree on an individual, but, but they were still majoring on the majors. These two men were all about Jesus and all about sharing the gospel. Paul and Barnabas are godly men having a disagreement. Both men are loved by the church. Both of these men are filled with the Holy Spirit. They both endured persecution together. God is using them to grow his church. God is using him to bring men and women into salvation through Christ and Christ alone. They're incredible men with incredible ministries. Godly people don't always agree on everything. And, and that's okay. As long as we're still majoring on the majors. I don't think that surprises anyone. Did they agree on what matters most? Absolutely. They agree on the win. And in this moment, this moment was hard. Look at, look at verse 39. They had such a sharp disagreement. These aren't, these aren't soft words. Like there is, there is some heat here. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted ways. They parted company. They couldn't agree on this missionary team. This moment of conflict, it, it doesn't cripple them. It doesn't stop their ministry. The fact that this, this, this conflict happens is interesting because, you know, God uses it to multiply their effort. Isn't that, that's just, that's such a God thing, right? I mean, Paul and Barnabas are working through the conflict to get to the win and God is using their disagreement to further his work. Look at verse 39 all the way. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. Like this doesn't seem like it was a private conversation. The church got involved. In fact, there was probably some pain and frustration in the church. But ultimately, both missionary teams were commended. They were both sent out. They were both affirmed. And so while there's conflict here, they're still in good standing with the church. They're still even in good standing with each other. And here's a little phrase. You might want to write this down. Just because we disagree, it doesn't make you my enemy. Like, we don't have to agree on everything, but we do need to agree on what matters most. There are so many times when I see people who end up in conflict or end up in a disagreement, they feel like I'm just not allowed to be your friend anymore. Like that is such a, a, a distant like, reality from what should be. Like disagreement does not equal disliking. It just means that we have a differ uh, of opinion. You know, both of these men, they continue to, to lean on God. They continue to move forward. They just do it in separate ways, but they do it in a peaceful manner. You know, and, and while we don't see Paul and Barnabas doing ministry together again in scripture from this point on, I want you to know this. In 1 Corinthians chapter nine, we read that Paul still thinks very highly of Barnabas. We can tell that through his words. And in 2 Timothy chapter four, verse 11, Paul actually says, hey, Timothy, I need you to bring John Mark with you because John Mark is very useful to me. You know, they worked through the conflict to get to the win. Uh, there was, there was a, a peaceful departing. There, there's, there's this resolution that happens. And, and what's most important is they, they maintained their friendship and they maintained their respect for each other. You know, being in and maintaining healthy relationships is a vital part of our faith. It's just so important in our walk with Jesus. You and I, we exist to love God and we exist to love others. 
You know, we actually have an opportunity this week to check out life groups, to join a life group. If you're not in a life group, would you just please spend the rest of this week praying and asking God to show you if this is a good step for you? Because I already know it is. Being in community with other people who are in your stage of life or, or in a realm where you can have a relationship with is vitally important to your walk with Jesus. You know, being in a life group is part of the DNA of Valley Church. Getting together, encouraging one another, it's part of why we do what we do here at Valley Church. And I absolutely love it. And I know some people have said, I joined a life group and it just didn't work out. I joined a life group and, and I didn't like it. I joined a life group and I just didn't connect. And I want to say to you, you know what? Sometimes it's okay to part ways with a group that we didn't connect with, as long as we still are respectful and peaceful and we still major on the majors. I would say to those of you who have tried it and it hasn't worked, would you just give it another shot? Uh, we have so many opportunities for people to jump in. In fact, what Pastor Quentin and I do on the weekends, it really is setting the table for what happens in small groups, in those life groups, in homes, around town. So being in a life group is a vital part of your walk with Jesus. Life groups, they're all about growing your faith. They're all about helping you win and you helping other people win. So uh, if you're watching uh, here at Church Online, I just want to encourage you, you can go to valley.church slash lifegroups and you can see a complete list of all of the open groups. Or if you just want to drop an email real quick and say, I'm interested, what's available, send an email to lifegroups at valley.church and we will help you find the right group for you because we want you connected as best as you possibly can be. I mean, that's what Paul was doing. He was connecting with other churches. He was connecting with new believers. Paul is on mission. He is out encouraging and building up believers. Look at verse 41. I love this. He traveled through Syria and Silica, strengthening the churches. Like Paul was just out there encouraging and aligning. Even though there was conflict between he and Barnabas, they worked together through the conflict to get to the win. And here he is. Churches are being encouraged because of the ministry that's able to happen. In verse uh, one and two of chapter 16, Paul then, he went to Derby and Lystra where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman. That's so important. Maybe highlight that in your Bible. But his father, his father was a Greek. Uh, the brothers and sisters in Lystra, I love that. They spoke highly of him. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, j just several verses back, uh, we just saw Paul having the worst experience in Lystra. I mean, there he experienced a, a public execution. Do you know whose public execution? It was his public execution. I mean, the crowds stoned Paul and they drug his body out of town thinking that he was dead. And eventually Paul came to. He, he wasn't dead. He came to and he moved on. He's like, I guess they didn't want me there, right? Uh, and now he's back here in the text Paul's back. You would think that there is no way he would go back to a town where he was stoned, where he was experiencing a public execution. He, he should have went to their Yelp page and, and looked at Yelp and said, well, Lystra, 83 reviews, half a star. I better not go back there. This doesn't seem good for me. He's like, half a star. I'm not going back. There's no AAA discount. What am I going to do? I'll tell you this. Regardless of all of the reasons that Paul shouldn't have gone back, Paul actually goes back and, and he learns and sees so many amazing things because 
of the time that separated him being there on a missionary journey in this moment. Look at what time can do. I mean, there are Christians here now. What Paul and Barnabas accomplished on the first missionary journey, it actually, don't miss this, I love this. It actually provided a pathway of salvation for people who did not yet know Jesus, but it also stirred people in that community who had not yet gone public with their faith. Remember, Timothy's mom was a believing Jewish woman. And we just didn't see her during that first trip. That, that town stoned Paul. And you're kind of like, what's going on? And God used that moment to plant some seeds. God used that moment to water the seeds that had already been planted. And during this time, like God just did so many awesome things. You know, in the work that Paul and Barnabas did sometime before this, it, it led to having visible brothers and sisters, visible Christians in the city. Like a lot can happen over time. We, we just need to be patient and let God work instead of you and I trying to force the work. Remember Paul saying this, we, we share this from time to time. I know I do, I love this verse. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. God gave it growth. It was God who put growth to what we did, the work that we set down. Like there's only so much that you and I can do. Actually, there's only so much that you and I should do. I can't make things grow. I, I gotta let God take what I've, just use it, please, Lord. How about this? Have you ever made bread or pizza crust? Like I just don't have the patience for it. I just buy pre-made pizza crust uh, because I'm an impatient person, but I've made pizza crust in the past. And, and uh, you know, I, I can only do so much, right? I can, I can pour in the water, I can pour in the flour, I can, I can pour in the salt and the sugar. I have the right amount of oil I can drop in. The dry yeast, I can even mix it. And then I can take that dough and I can knead it. And I can take that dough, put it in a bowl and cover it up. And that's when I'm done. I cannot make that dough rise. I can put the work into it and then I've just got to let it go. I just have to let it go. We've got to wait. We've got to wait for that dough to rise. And I'll tell you this, I know that there are some people uh, even here at our church that have been praying for such a long time. Some of us, maybe we've been praying for sick days and, and we're just kind of like uh, wondering how long it's gonna take, God. Some of us have been praying for six weeks and we're just wondering, God, when are you gonna move? And yet some of us have been praying for something or someone faithfully for, for six years and some of us even more. And what I'm constantly reminded is that God is not limited by time. Look at what time can do. This is such a great example here in Lystra, in this town where there were no believers or there were, there were no people who had taken their faith public yet. And now not only are there brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul finds Timothy, he finds this future leader, he finds somebody to mentor, somebody who's gonna be a lifelong friend and companion, an incredible church leader. All because Paul and Barnabas went to where God had called them. And they faithfully planted and they faithfully watered. And look at what time can do. Look at what God did in that town with those seeds and with that watering. Verse three, look at verse three. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. So he took him 
and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was a Greek. His mother was a believing Jew. His father was a Greek. You know, Timothy uh, was circumcised by Paul, not for the sake of his salvation. This is so important. Paul argued before, you know, you do not need to do this act of work to become saved, but he is asking Timothy to be circumcised because of his connection to the Jewish faith and because it could have been a stumbling block for those Jews that they were coming in contact with. You know, we do, we do whatever we can, short of sin, to lead people to Jesus. I love this quote by Craig Groeschel. He says, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. I love that. We don't sin to be with the sinners. We do anything we possibly can short of sin so that maybe some people would hear about Jesus and enter into a personal relationship with him. I love this. This is a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 22. And this is what the apostle Paul says. He says, he says although I'm free, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order that I might win some. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, even though I didn't have to, to win those under the law. To those who were without the law, I became like one without the law, even though I didn't have to, to win those without the law. I became weak to win the weak. I became all things to all people so that I might possibly win some. Paul is out for the win, but it's not a win for himself. And it's not a win where he wins and other people lose. Like he's out to help others win with Jesus. Paul, he's not inviting Christ followers to sin or to get so close to say, hey, get as close to sin as you possibly can. That's not what he's saying. He's calling followers of Jesus to meet people where they are, just like Jesus met us where we were when we first entered into a relationship with him. Look at verse four. They traveled through the towns. They, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem for the people to observe. Like they are spreading the news. Like they are all working to get to the win. All of them. Like Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're actually all working through adversity to get to the win. There's so much adversity in, in this chapter, time after time over time. I mean, think about it. Paul, Paul doesn't seem fearful, but, but he clearly has to overcome anything that he's feeling about, about this town where he experienced public execution. You know, with the, with the different views and, and the different ways Paul and Timothy would have to work with others that they're going to come in contact with. Timothy's like, adversity right over here. Yeah, this isn't going to be fun, but I'm willing to do it for the cause of Christ. Silas, Silas was from Jerusalem. He was the closest to this word that they were going to be, uh, you know, spreading and delivering. And, and he's going to help people change kind of the way they're doing church, the way that they're doing life. And, and if you and I know anything, telling people to do something differently than they've always done it, it's not easy work. But the churches, look at verse five, but the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in number. I just love that. That's just such a theme in Acts as this unstoppable movement of God continues to move forward and people are encountering God in big and brand new ways. I absolutely love this. This is actually the second time in the text that we're looking at today where we see that the churches were strengthened in their faith. 
You know, one of my greatest privileges is to see people enter into a deeper relationship with Jesus here at Valley Church, actually anywhere. But uh, last weekend was one of those weekends that you just wouldn't have wanted to miss. Hearing story after story of life change and transformation, people who have been transformed by the power and the work of Jesus Christ, sharing their stories and being baptized. Uh, if you missed last week, we're just gonna give you a little taste of, uh, of all of those stories in that powerful moment. Check this out. Baptism is a powerful, powerful symbol of what has already happened on the inside is now testified and shown on the outside when we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we celebrate today. Each one of these people have come to faith in Jesus and want to now publicly declare that they are followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate with them, so let's get started. I want to be baptized because I feel like my decision to accept Christ would be more publicly displayed. I want to get baptized today because I'm ready to take that next step in my faith. I want to get baptized because I want everyone to know that I am new, I'm born again, and I love the symbolism of dying and being resurrected and uh, having that new life in Christ. I want to get baptized because God is my savior and Satan no longer has a hold on me. How cool is it that I get to walk up on that stage to profess my faith in Jesus Christ? Let's go. What a blessing. That is so filling. Every time I see that video, I just get goosebumps. I love hearing those stories. And here's what I know. Each and every one of you, you have a story to share. Uh, you have a story uh, about life change and transformation, a story about somebody else uh, being transformed by Jesus through a conversation or you being transformed by Jesus. Uh, and I just would say this to those of you who are following Jesus and you've never been baptized, like baptism is the next likely step. Like for you to be baptized, it would be a, a fantastic, profound moment. And we want to make sure that you have the opportunity to do that. Valley Church has baptism services throughout the year, and we want to make sure that there is a spot for you. So make sure you send in an email, write something in the chat, let us know at one of our venues, and we will let you know when our next baptism opportunity is. And Paul, he takes his team forward. He's continuing this missionary journey. Look at verse six. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus didn't allow them. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Verse nine, during the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing, pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, 
we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is so fascinating to me. I mean, I don't know if you caught this, but Paul was able to actually, you know, understand where he was going to go because he was sensitive to the workings of the Holy Spirit. Actually, this is probably a good phrase for all of us. Paul was working through the noise to get to the wind. There's so much noise in our life. Uh, and I just wonder if God was even speaking, like, would we understand? You know, there are so many things fighting for our attention, so many things fighting for our focus. There's noise all around us and noise is loud, things fighting for our attention. And when, when you and I aren't able to step away from the noise, step away from the distractions, one thing that you and I can do, one thing that we should do is, is we should do everything we can to turn up the volume of God, to step closer, to step in, to get in the word. You know, in Acts chapter 15, the church was growing. The church was growing so much. The, the church was spreading far and wide. And, and the Christian leaders at that time, they were facing difficult issues. They were facing difficult decisions. And in Acts chapter 15, verse 28, it's just so clear that it reveals that these early church leaders, they were just tuned in. They were so serious about time with God, about encountering God. They were listening to, to God's spirit. They were listening and they were letting the spirit of God lead them. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and a willingness to obey the Spirit's direction, the early church leaders were able to navigate through the toughest of issues. And as, as followers of Jesus Christ, God's Spirit does that for us today. When you and I, when we're facing conflict, when we face adversity, and especially it's crucial to connect with God and have encounters with God throughout all of the noise in the crazy world that you and I live in. Like in, 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 in this time, we need to turn the volume up on God and rely on the Holy Spirit to show us the way. When you're facing difficult decisions, are you even able to recognize the voice of God in those moments? Or is it just too noisy? Is it too busy? Are you able to recognize the voice of God through all of the noise in this digital age? Are you open to hearing and receiving a nudge from the Holy Spirit? I mean, here, Paul knew that the Holy Spirit was saying this way, not this way, or, or spend time over here, don't spend time over there. And some of us are wrapped up in so much noise and distraction. I'm not sure that we would feel the nudge or understand the Spirit's leading. You know, this week, uh, as I was working on my message, as I was just spending time pouring over scripture, I just... I just had a small chunk of time while I was at home. I was like, I just need to use this time. And, and, and I sat in my chair. I sat in a chair where I do all of my studying when I'm at home. And, and I just prayed, God, I need 30 minutes. Would you help me be as productive as I could possibly be in these 30 minutes? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And then I just started working. I just started cranking out. Uh, as much of this message as I could in the moment. And five minutes after that prayer, I heard, I heard my wife and I heard my kids, they were just screaming in the kitchen. They were just, Brandon, Brandon. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So I set down my computer and I, I stood up and I went out into the kitchen and in a very impatient tone, I said, what? 
And my wife and my kids, they're yelling, in the backyard, there's a possum. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? There's a possum in our backyard right now. And, and this is the most urgent thing in the early home. And my wife could tell that I was kind of in the zone. I was in the study zone. And, and uh, she could see that I was a little frustrated. And she said, she said, what's wrong? And I explained that I just prayed this prayer where I just needed 30 minutes of focused study time. And, and I said, I just asked God to just you know, help me with this 30 minutes. And, and she goes, well, looks like God sent you a possum. I was like, no, that possum was from the devil. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, okay, I'm not gonna say it's from God. I'm not saying the possum was from the devil. I'm just saying like in that moment, we both were maybe hearing different voices. I don't know. Uh, it, you know, it takes a huge amount of discernment to recognize God's voice and to know when he's speaking and what he's saying. I've seen and heard so many people attribute some crazy things to the voice of God. And when I hear what they're saying, God is telling them, like, I'm like, are you sure that's from God? Or do you think that was maybe from some indigestion from some late night pizza you had? Because what you're saying, it doesn't sound like it's consistent with scripture. You know, I met a, I met a young lady at the mall and I was just making a purchase and I just felt compelled to ask her, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And she said, no, I hate God. And I was like, okay, tell me more. She goes, God tried to kill me three times. And I'm like, really? And she said, yep. She said, when I was three years old, I got really sick, but I was too strong for God. Uh, when, when I was seven, uh, I forget what the tragedy was, but she shared when she was seven, she went through this near-death experience. And then she said, when I was 17, I was in this car crash. She said, I was too strong for God to take me out. And I sit back and I think, man, it sounds to me like God has something incredible for your future. To me, it sounds like God actually protected you in those moments, not causing those moments. Maybe God is, uh, is speaking in a way that you just can't hear or you can't understand because of all the noise that's surrounding us. And Paul and Barnabas, and Timothy, and Silas, and even John Mark, what great examples from the early church to show us that you and I, we, we need to, to fight through the noise for the win that God has us on. Will you pray? Uh, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the mission you have us on. God, continue to help us fight for the win through conflict, through adversity, and through the noise that is just all around us. Help us honor you and Help us win by helping others win, by helping them see Jesus. Lord, we love you and we're thankful for today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen and amen.